0: Okay, dokie. Hey, everyone <laughs> Good to see you. Um, since last time I taught, I talked a little bit about the work I'm doing with the data Ching, I just want to give a very brief update and then and then move into why we're here. But I have changed the way I'm translating the data Ching, and that's what I want to share. Um, I think I mentioned to you all before that I was relying on someone else's word for word translation. I've abandoned that and I actually went back and started over (laughs) and um, I'm translating the characters myself. Um, I have three online dictionaries that I use one that has become my primary, but occasionally it's it feels like not enough, and so I check the second one, and then sometimes I go on to the third one almost like a tiebreaker. Um, and I'm translating, I'm actually translating the Chinese characters and then working from my own word for word translation. And to be honest, this feels so much more um, right. Feels so much more right rather than relying on someone else's translation. Um, So that's just what I wanted to share with you since, you know, I said something different last time. I just wanted to know, you know, that has changed. So um, that's all I have to say about that. I'm still, still, you know, working like a a mad dog on it. In fact, that's why I was stretching because like up until four minutes before I had to be here, I was translating and um, I just finished chapter 42 and Later, I'll go back and, you know, relook at it and just make sure that it feels a hundred percent right, you know, that, but, um, yeah, so we're here, however, for the seven steps to awakening and out of the stillness, and we are going to start on number 245. You know, the other night, about a week ago, I think, but I actually dream- had a dream about Chinese characters. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I don't remember what the dream was about. I just remember seeing all these Chinese characters in my dream. Um, so 245. Renouncing this phenomenal world, which seems to but does not exist, we gain the true self, the awareness shining all unseen. Um and, and when I hear the awareness shining all unseen to me that means lighting up the essence which can't be perceived. You know I think that at least I know I used to imagine this so I imagine I imagine other people imagine this too cuz I just I think we're more alike than different. But I used to think that um I would wake up and then literally look out at the world and see, you know, essence, whatever that looks like, you know, various shades of light maybe, or, or something like that. Like I would no longer see trees and mountains and buildings and people. Uh, that's not my experience, at least at this point, who knows, I'll tell you in 10 years if it's different. <laughs> but at this point, my experience is, The eyes see those things, but it's almost like not really the mind, not the thinking mind, but whatever our true intelligence slash vision, it's like you want to put those words together and create a new word like intelligence dash vision is something, right? That's that's what sees essence. So it's both invisible and discernible, right? Um, So that's what I hear in the end of this as well, when I hear um, the awareness shining all unseen. See, shining and unseen are put side by side, you see? And that's my experience. So to me, that's understandable. So renouncing this phenomenal world, which seems to but does not exist, we gain the true self. And this is interesting. It also says, comma, the awareness shining all unseen. So the true self, the essence, are the same. All right? The true self, the essence, are the same it's not like the true self sees the essence like they're two different things that would be duality the true self the essence are the same Uh, which is why you also hear sentences like you know all i see is the self right because they're the same thing so again renouncing this phenomenal world phenomenal meaning many different things right renouncing this phenomenal world, which seems to, but does not exist. We gain the self, the awareness shining all unseen. Now that all really fits in the sentence, right? This is all that there is, is this unseen essence. And in that there's no duality. Do you hear that? That's true oneness, right? That's wholeness that's completeness there's no two there anymore so if i go to 245 and out of the stillness to renounce the world renounce the mind and this of course would mean the defining thinking mind right to renounce the world renounce the mind do not be involved in it Use self-inquiry to reinstate awareness of the watcher as self. See, I've had some shifts recently, like in the last month or two, where now when I read even what I wrote in out of the stillness, which was at one time, you know, not too long ago, you could call it my, my furthest reach or my most advanced writing, right? My furthest reach. Now I read it and it's, it's, Mm. not as mature as my present experience, (laughs) right? Because of these shifts, it's not as mature. So now I want to say, okay, well, that's not true anymore. But for some of y'all, it's still the best reach, right? So we'll leave it as it is. But I just want you to know that my experience of reading this has changed from even two months ago. My mom must have just left because my computer told me the front door has been unlocked or maybe she just opened the door. It's funny how my computer tells me these things. To renounce the world, renounce the mind. Do not be involved in it. Use self-inquiry to reinstate awareness of the watcher as self. Abide watching and being but not engaged in thinking. This is my assignment. So let me talk about, uh, if I can, why this seems less mature to me now. And then we'll go back and talk about why it was helpful. First of all, I don't really want anybody attempting to skip steps. um, Because, At least my experience, and and I understand that people can have these shifts that just come about, that just happen, that actually take them up many steps. They didn't skip steps. They were moved, right? Moved beyond steps. But I think sometimes when we're trying to do this with the mind, we try to skip steps. Like we try to say, oh, now Regina said that's not mature. Let me try this. And that's not the same thing as a shift. You guys following me? Okay, so if if you happen to be flung up to skip steps, that's different. If you're flung up by the miracle, right, the miracle energy. But don't in your mind say, "Okay, Regina says now that's not mature. I'm not going to do that anymore when that might be what's best for you. All right. So that's my little my little warning on what I'm about to share. But at the same time, I don't think it hurts to have your eyes even focused up so that you know that there's something beyond that. Okay, so let me tell you why this sounds immature to me now. And again, this is only in the last couple of months, right? This is, you know, I wouldn't have said this in January. (laughs) Um, This says, to renounce the world, renounce the mind, do not be involved in it, which I 100% agree with. I don't think that ever becomes immature. (laughs) That's always mature, (laughs) All right? To renounce the world, renounce the mind. Do not be involved in it. Use self-inquiry. I agree with that. But here's the part that feels less mature to me. To reinstate awareness of the watcher as self. At one time, watching the watching and realizing I was the watching was as advanced as I could go. That was important. But now, somehow, somehow being beyond that and looking back on it, it looks lopsided. Because watching the watching and realizing I'm the watching is all focused here, and it leaves out the all. does this Is this starting to make any kind of sense at all? So the way I'm going to explain this is we see based on how we identify. So, you know, starting at the bottom of the bucket, you know, (laughs) which at some point we're all at the bottom of the bucket, starting at the bottom of the bucket. If I either consciously or unconsciously uh, see myself as a worthless worm, you know, just to pick a term, but I think you guys know what I mean, even though you may not have used those words yourself, you know what I mean. Um, I am going to look out and I am going to see both that which is good enough, better than than, and that which is not good enough, less than. Because in seeing myself as a worthless worm, just realize there has to be a comparison in there. I mean, I'm a worthless worm compared to what? Compared to something, right? (laughs) In fact, I was talking to my daughter this weekend. She was asking questions about inherent unworthiness because, of course, she notices it in herself. And what I told her is I said, you know, that just comes with seeing yourself as separate. I said, when you believe that you're separate, the mind is naturally comparing all of the time. And it's that comparing that happens, right? Because you're not only separate, you're different. I mean, you're not just separate, you're different then, right? And so the mind is always comparing. And sure, sometimes it finds you, you know, better than but of course as we all know it also finds you less than. And so that's what i refer to as the bottom of the barrel. That that whole mechanism. So if that's what's still going on with me, that's also how i see the world. And this is how almost everybody sees bottom of the barrel. <laughs> you know, it, it, which is why, you know, we can watch the news and we see things, yeah, i agree with that's a good movement and oh, that's terrible, that shouldn't be happening and you know, this is that mechanism. OK, it's, it's how we see the world. So. That also clearly comes from the mind, because the mind is the one that's defining and separating. Awareness doesn't define and separate. It simply doesn't. And any of y'all who have spent any time watching awareness, you know, that's true. So that's the mind that's identifying with the mind. And it's how we see the world. So the next step up from that would be um, instead of seeing myself as the mind, seeing myself as the neutrality of awareness, the the non-judging, non-defining being. And so that's what we reach for. We reach for genuinely seeing ourselves as that non Defining, non separating, non comparing, non judging being, which is pure awareness. But when we really shift into that, when it really clicks, what automatically then happens is that's how we see everything. Because however you identify is what you see. You see, whatever you identify with here is what you see there. So I guess somewhere in the last couple of months, this clicking happened to where, you know, the effort of seeing this as that now feels lopsided. Was I clear? I try to be clear. That's my job. It's always been my job to be clear. Um, so, but when I look at this, I I, st- I see the lopsidedness in it. Yet I understand that lopsidedness is necessary because that lopsidedness is what creates the shift. In fact, didn't Ramana Maharshi? I can't remember Ramana Maharshi's exact words, but basically you know, uh, he described that same process. I can't remember his words, but he described the process of seeing separation, then seeing yourself as God, then realizing everything is God, right? He He described that process. So to renounce the world, renounce the mind. Now that's critical. And, and you know, this may be the basic. Like, if we have elementary school and then you know, you know, middle school and high school. Let's imagine we're in a small town, so we only have two schools, right? You have elementary school, then you have middle school, high school in another building, um, like they do in Beulah in, in Colorado City. Um, renouncing the mind might be elementary school, learning to stop believing your thoughts. But if you never do that how do you expect to get to middle school, high school? Right? It's critical. So to renounce the world, renounce the mind. What does that mean? (laughs) Because you can't make the thoughts stop. We don't want to misunderstand that as you have to make the thoughts stop because guess what? You can't. It's not what it means. It means do not be involved in it. And this is a form of meditation that is extremely helpful. Uh, in 500 days, it's called the, the do nothing meditation for those of you who are taking 500 days, but you know, it has different names, but this is a form of meditation, which is really helpful, which is learning to be and allow the mind to do without you engaging with the mind, right? You're focused on the being, you know, you're just being the mind goes right on, but your attention isn't zeroed in on you aren't, Folk you know, you aren't focused on, you aren't believing, you you're just letting it do while you be. That's really important because that's how we want to be in the world, right? and 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 the easiest place to practice it, and then you go out and live it, right? You practice it in the meditation. You get used to allowing the mind to do while you be. And then, and then as you know, anything you practice, you become more and more skilled, right? Do you guys agree? Anything you practice, you become more and more skilled. Pretty soon you're walking around involved, you know, seemingly involved in the world, you know, going places, talking to people, doing things, and the mind is making its comments, and you are just disregarding it. Like it just, you know, it you're not involved because you practice that during meditation and it just became something that you're not only able to do, but at some time it occurs naturally, you go through an able to, and therefore making, I would call it making a decision to not believe that thought. But then at some point the believing just isn't happening anymore. It's like, it's like whatever the believing mechanism was, it's like, it gets broken. So you're no longer making a choice not to believe right? Just believing isn't happening anymore. But you do seem to go through this phase of choosing not to believe, right? So first there's believing, and then practicing not believing, and then believing is broken. So to renounce the world, renounce the mind, do not be involved in it. And then use self-inquiry to reinstate awareness of the watcher as self. So this is that practice, the way it was taught in the teachings of inner Ramana. It's like a two-step process. So let's imagine that I'm upset about something. There's something here, I'm involved in it, right? I'm feeling the emotions because you wouldn't feel the emotions if you weren't believing it. The emotions don't just happen. They come from the believing, right? So I'm feeling perturbed. Therefore, I'm believing something. So I noticed this. And the way Inner Ramana taught me to do it was first to say, you know, basically, what's thinking that shouldn't be that way? What's thinking that shouldn't be that way? And I notice, oh, that's the mind. That's thought. right, so now I'm disengaging from being involved. And then I ask, what am I? And I notice that I am the awareness that is not only aware of this, but this is happening within my non-involved presence. And by practicing this over and over again, this two-step process, first disengaging from the thought, and then noticing that I am the awareness. What's going on as we do this over and over again is inside at a subconscious level. This is, the, this is the hard part. You can't actually make these decisions at the conscious or mental level. Inside at a subconscious level, that whatever it is that identifies with the mind is becoming less. You know, the, the example that inner Ramana used was it's like there's this rope in there And every time you do that, there's a razor blade that scrapes against that rope, right? Well, if you keep scraping that rope with a razor blade with this two step process, eventually that rope breaks, it snaps. And then there's no more identification with the mind, which means the identification is purely with the essence, which means then you see everything as essence. You see how that works? So this two-step process, number one, disengage from the mind. And then number two, focus on seeing yourself as the watching. Right? So abide watching and being, but not engaged in thinking. And notice I wrote, this is my assignment. You see how important that is? Yeah, so that's 245. Let's see what 246 has to say. Seen through the eye of our true being, which is awareness, pure, supreme, what we call birth, is but the folly of thinking that one is the body, which forms a poor part of this entirely false phenomenal world. one contemplation that felt critically important for me and this doesn't mean the contemplation would do the same thing for you because in some ways we're all different you know like we're all the same but somehow we're all our paths are different too right so you always have to find your own way follow your own inner self but one contemplation that was really important for me was contemplating and this is kind of an imaginary contemplation but it was still helpful. I mean, it's the only thing I can test, you know. Um, but contemplating who I was before I was born in a very genuine way. You know, as I contemplated who I was before I was born, you know, at, at some point, we all know that there was this sperm and this egg that came into came into relationship. All right they collided with one another <laughs> and and this was the beginning of the birthing of this body that is that we call regina and this current experience so prior to being born even prior to being a fetus um there was an egg and there was a sperm okay so Let's just focus on one right now. Let's just focus on the sperm. We could do the same thing with the egg, but I want to go in one direction. So where did the sperm come from? You know, if I'm that sperm prior to colliding with an egg, where does the sperm come from? Well, you know, a scientist could probably fill you in a little more. My my contemplation is probably um, infantile compared to a scientist, a biologist. but you know, what I see are cells. Cells somehow formed that sperm. Well, where did the cells come from? Well, other cells, as far as I know, you know, but where did the initial cells come from? And, 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 you know, well, the only thing that I can really go to is somehow there's nutrition that's entering a body and it's, allowing the body to generate cells. Well, where did the nutrition come from? Well, it came from, let's just go with plants. We could say plants and animals, but it came from plants. Well, where did the plants come from? Well, now we're back to an egg. We call it a seed in this case, but, and 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 just kept going back and going back and going back. And I couldn't find a beginning to life. I couldn't find a beginning to me. If I define me as merely this form that we're sitting here looking at right now, even I can see it in Zoom. If I, if I imagine myself as purely this form, what I came to is I'm being stupid. Because at some point, uh, I was a much sexier 18-year-old form. <laughs> At some point, I was a, 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 a much more wiggly four-year-old form. At some point, I was a much more helpless infant baby form. At some point, I was a fetus. At some point, I was sperm. See how it keeps going back? It's like it's such a limited, ignorant non, not even thinking, non-looking way, if I describe myself as this, because even in my memory, I haven't always been this. So when I really contemplated, you know, who am I, just looking physically, we're not talking about awareness here, (laughs) we're talking manifest, right? I couldn't find a beginning to me. I could find a change of form, but I couldn't find a beginning. Likewise, Mm -hmm. there isn't a death, right? You know, and and this was something I've I've shared with you all before. I think that my dad pointed out to me, as far as I know, before I was even on the spiritual path, it, it was a long time ago, we were hiking together, um and i asked him something because my dad has never really had religious beliefs or spiritual beliefs or anything so i was just curious you know what the heck do you believe dad <laughs> and i was asking him and and he said he went the other way in his contemplation he said when i die i will be buried now of course he left out the casket in his story uh, but when i die i will be buried my body will disintegrate into, into, into you know, whatever it disintegrates into, which will enrich the soil. Plants will grow from that enriched soil. Birds and animals will come along and, and you know, uh, feast off of that, or, you know, insects will feast off of that. Then birds will feast off of the insects and larger animals will feast off the birds. And he said, you know, I'll never die. See, that's taking the contemplation in the other way. So whether you're going back or you're going forward, if you really look at it, you you cannot find a beginning or an end to you unless you're very limited in defining yourself. And that I've just proven is an absolute lie because I haven't even always been this form. My mom used to have to carry me because I couldn't walk. Right. I mean, it's just it's just not looking to define ourselves as this. The forms always change and the life, we can't find a beginning to or an end to. So again, that type of contemplation was very helpful to me (laughs) So back to 246, seeing through the eye of our true being, which is awareness, pure, supreme, what we call birth is but the folly of thinking, That one is the body, which I just proved how silly that is, which forms a poor part of this entirely false, phenomenal world. So let's see what I wrote in out of the stillness. Again, remember, this is me talking to me in 2012. So I just want to put the context here, right? Attachment to the world is strong. That's me talking to me. So that's where I was. Attachment to the world is strong. Attachment to the world has led to this illusory birth and this illusory lifetime. If there are times when letting go of ego seems to be an impossible task, do not be disheartened. Remember that attachment is strong. Be gentle with yourself as you continue to practice without pause. So another way of reading this would be um, attachment to the belief that I am this person is strong. Attachment to the belief that I'm separate from everyone else is strong attachment to the belief that I'm different from everyone else is strong and as some of you have discovered even attachment to the belief that I am ultimately a worthless worm (laughs) is strong right so and that's why it's all continuing because the attachment to it is strong so don't beat myself up about that. Forgive myself for that, right? Just just forgive myself with that and continue to practice the best of my ability. <clears throat> I was sharing with Rhoda the other day, something I hadn't, I had actually forgotten about. Um, but when it came out with her, I thought, oh, that's, that's, It's nice to remember that. I'm glad that came out while we were talking, Um, you know, way back in North Carolina. You know, when I used to journal with what I called Holy Spirit every day. One thing it used to coach me on frequently. Was always to keep my eyes focused. Up on what we might call the upward spiral instead of down the downward spiral and this was something I could feel and I think if I talk y'all through it, you'll be able to feel it too. So so for example, you know Regina's been teaching about this I am bad belief as long as I've known her. I've heard all her teachings and yet I still have it you know <laughs> oh my God, what's wrong with me? That's the downward spiral. so you're focusing down. Down. If you follow that spiral, it's just going to get darker, right? You're going to you're going to be more unworthy, right? There's nothing, you know. What's wrong with me? You know, how come I can't get it? I'm such an idiot. You see how down that is, right? But what this is saying, this is the upward spiral. The attachment's strong. You know, just forgive yourself. It's you know, it's it's okay. It's just you. Can you feel the more lighter, more lighter feel of that? It's the up. I'll just keep practicing. You know, if I just keep practicing, that razor blade is just going to keep rubbing against that rope. And eventually this will break. You See, that's the upward spiral. So you want to feel within yourself, whether you're taking yourself down the downward spiral, or whether you're allowing yourself to be lifted into the upward spiral. The downward spiral is never helpful the upward spiral is always helpful, right? And this is what spirit used to always coach me on. So this is how you can help yourself. Remember, your focus, as you know, is actually quite powerful. It's a divine focus. So focus on the upward spiral. And it has to feel genuine, right? A lie is never helpful. I mean, you know it's a lie. I mean, you're not an idiot. You know when you're lying. So it has to feel genuine. But if it feels like it's taking you up a little lighter, a little more hopeful, a little more trusting, you know, all those things, that's helpful. If it feels like it's taking you down, heavier, more judgment, you know, um, hopelessness, right? That's not helpful. So this is simply an upward spiral thought. Attachment to the world is strong. Attachment to the world has led to this illusory birth and this illusory lifetime. If there are times when letting go of ego seems to be an impossible task, do not be disheartened. See, disheartened would be the downward spiral. Just remember that attachment is strong. Be gentle with yourself as you continue to practice without pause. Just, okay, it's strong. This may take some time. That's okay, right? Just whatever feels lighter, whatever feels upward facing instead of downward facing. So good, I'm glad we had, that was just last week when I had that conversation with Rhoda. So I'm glad there was an opportunity to bring it up today. Because that was really, really helpful to me. You know, um, I'm sure there were a number of things that were really helpful to me that I don't recall. Uh, You know, that if if I can recall them, if they do come up from time to time and I am able to pass them on, they can help you too. Um, But it's also in NTI. You know, NTI, uh, what's the word NTI uses? Chastise yourself. You know, NTI points out that it's never helpful to chastise yourself, right? And yet, how many people chastise themselves for this failure and that failure and slipping again and screwed up again and not, you know, see, that's the downward spiral. If you know it's never helpful, you hear that word never? It's never helpful to chastise yourself and you adopt that as a truth, which do any of you guys think that it's not true? Or can you all see that it's probably true? It's never helpful to chastise yourself, right? So if you adopt that as a truth, then why not put that into practice right now? So that's it. I'm going to give up chastising myself. This doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect, whatever the heck that means, but I'm not going to chastise myself anymore because there's no value in that. It is in no way helping me. And it it most likely is hurting me, holding me back, right? So. I know this is true. I have I can see that for myself. So I'm giving it up right now. Right? That helps you. That's that's upward spiral instead of downward spiral. One example. So let's move on to 251. Absolute existence. The pure sky of grace, free from the sorrow of I and mine, will be attained when, in the mind that sees as the self and has died in that supreme reality, the imaginary concepts of the world and the physical body have entirely ceased to be. This is Muruganar. Muruganar was a poet. So Muruganar likes to be, you know, a little bit cumbersome in his words. That was fun for him, right? So absolute existence, the pure sky of grace, free from the sorrow of I and mine, will be attained when? In the mind that sees as the self and has died in that supreme reality. So sees as the true self and has died into the true self is what that means, right? The mind that sees as the self and has died in that supreme reality, the imaginary concepts of the world and the physical body have entirely ceased to be. So let's see what I wrote in 251. Complete freedom comes from the complete death of the ego. Loosen attachment to ego mind and world appearances at every opportunity. And you hasten the realization of absolute, enduring, and perfect peace, joy, love. So the important part here is, well, there's two important parts. First of all, complete freedom comes from the complete death of the ego. Um, I still see that as true. Speaking, I don't want to say believe, because believe is when you don't have any experience? Just someone said it, and you adopted it. That concept, you adopted that concept is true, right? That's what believing is, and, and and there's no value in believing. Um, there can be value in trusting, but willing to find out for yourself. That's different, right? When you just adopt it as true, you don't even have to test it. You don't, you know, because you already think it's the truth. You know, like it, it's just blindness. It's okay to trust a sage that you feel guided to trust and, and then give them enough trust that you're willing to try what they ask you to try so that you can find out for yourself if what they say is true. That's, that's good. That's helpful. Um, when I say complete freedom comes from the complete death of ego, and that is still, for me, that is still what's true. That comes from my experience, not from my experience of, a complete death of the ego, because that hasn't happened. But it comes from my experience of incremental deaths of the ego. Like my ego seems to be dying incrementally. You know, like I'm chopping off its arm, then its other arm, then its leg, then its toes and you know, like, like slowly, right? But with each incremental death, there is more freedom. And that's not the only way I can see that. If and when, not if, when, when the ego arises and belief is given to it, even for an instant, in that moment when that's happening, the freedom appears lost. So what my experience tells me then is no ego equals freedom. Ego equals, there's no such thing as no freedom, but ego equals the appearance of not free, right? That experience, the experience of not free, that's a good way of putting it, right? So by following that, you know, even by you know, just following that all the way to the total, total no ego would have to be total freedom. Right. And as long as there's any ego remaining, there can be some moments of apparently not free. Slave to what you're believing is really what that means. Slave to what you're believing. So this first part, complete freedom, comes from the complete death of ego, or we call it complete loss of ego, you know, whatever, whatever word you want to put there. Um, based on my experience, that has to be true. So since that is true, what we want to do is we want to continue with these incremental deaths, right? So loosen attachment to the ego mind and world appearances at every opportunity. Now, why do we have to include the world appearances in this? Well, because they're no different than the mind. You know, if I'm watching the news and I'm getting upset at something, isn't that because I'm believing thoughts in the mind? I mean, it's never separate. That's why I can get upset about one thing while somebody else is celebrating the exact same thing, you know, like a change in policy. Maybe one of us is upset and one of us thinks it's great, right? So I need to loosen attachment to the ego mind and my interpretation of world appearances At every opportunity. Now that's important. And this is something that I have embraced as fully as I am capable. It doesn't mean there are ever times that slipping doesn't happen. You know, I'm translating the Tao this is reminding me of something I translated recently. So let me just pull this up real quick and read it to you because this is really what this is saying. Um, It's one of the last chapters I translated, I believe. See if I can find it. Yep, right here. Chapter 41. I told you I just finished 42. So this would have been yesterday. Chapter 41. When devoted students hear about, I'll say for now, the truth. When devoted, devoted students hear about the truth, they diligently practice it. When ordinary students hear about the truth, they practice it sometimes, but forget it at other times. See what you wanna be is the devoted student, right? And that's what this is talking about when it says at every opportunity. You want to be devoted to this. Seize every opportunity. So loosen attachment to ego, mind, and world appearances at every opportunity. What does that mean? Um, well, for me, the way that I did this, and there may be a more perfect way of doing it, but, you know, my way is the only way I know. For me, the way I did this was I became sensitive to when I was not naturally content. I went with the assumption that naturally content meant judgment wasn't happening, being was happening. And later I actually learned that sometimes that was wrong. So I'll get to that in a moment. But in the beginning... That naturally content meant that judging wasn't happening. And so I could just continue to be. But I needed to be very sensitive to when naturally content was in any way interrupted. And I think if you read NTI Philippians, I think this is in there. It talks about that little stab of pain. I think it's NTI Philippians. I became very sensitive to that little stab of pain, that little contraction, that little, you know, something we definitely would not call natural contentment. So it didn't have to be big, you know. Big I looked at too, but I, I I wanted to be sensitive. I wanted to feel even the smallest interruption to my peace. And when it was there, I saw it as an opportunity. This is an opportunity to discover believing and let it go. Right. Again, if we talk about the downward spiral, I think what a lot of people do. Um, we'll call them the ordinary students, like was in the DAO, what the ordinary students do is they judge themselves for failing. You know, like I was going along, you know, I've been at peace, I've been happy for a couple of weeks now. And then he said that and I got pissed and I screwed up again, right? (laughs) You see, that's the downward spiral. The upward spiral is, oh, here's another opportunity to become freer. Here's another opportunity to help the ego to incrementally die. If I can find out what I'm believing, if I can discover why I'm upset, I can let go of that believing and be a little freer than I was before. And I think, I don't want to take credit for for this attitude, because it's, it's an attitude I've always had. But I don't want to take credit for this attitude because I know exactly where I learned it. I learned it from Peace Pilgrim. Because Peace Pilgrim talked about the hills and valleys of the spiritual path. The hills were when you were at that feeling, everything in the flow, content, peaceful, things are going good. The valleys are when you seem to, you know, something happened. Okay, things aren't so damn good anymore, right? That's the valley. But what she said, and she said the the spiritual path is incrementally hills and valleys. Hills and valleys, hills and valleys. But she said, if, if, when you're in the valley, if you, if you learn your lesson, which really meant if you find what you are believing and if you're, and if you let that go, right? She said, the next hilltop's even higher. And then another valley will come. This is another opportunity, another time to learn a lesson or to see what you're believing and let it go. And then the next hilltop is even higher. Now, interestingly, because the hilltops are getting higher, the stepping back into ego can feel lower. It's kind of like you're falling further, except you aren't really falling. You're moving forward on the spiritual path. You're at your next opportunity to take you to your next higher hilltop. See, this is what she taught me. And so I always had this attitude because I read Peace Pilgrim even before. I consciously started the spiritual path. So, you know, she was like a prerequisite to the spiritual path for me. So I always had this attitude from the time I really decided to do this, that whenever stuff started coming up, I always saw it as an opportunity. I didn't, I literally didn't make the mistake that the ordinary students do, which oh, I failed again. I, I, I don't think I ever did that. I always saw, oh, I'm believing something. Oh, I need to look. Um, and this is another opportunity to become freer. And in fact, this is why my relationship with Laurent was so helpful to me because I had this attitude throughout the entire relationship. So it was the fastest bam, bam, being hit with crap, bam, 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 year and a half of my life. But every one of those was, okay, I got to use this. Okay, I got to use this. Okay, I got to use this, right? That was my attitude. Okay, another opportunity. Okay, I got to use this. And as a result, in that year and a half, you know, I, I, the term I use is that I advanced a thousand years. It's, it's a symbol, but it tells you what it felt like. But if I had been using all of that crap to blame him and oh my god, I get all oh, oh my gosh, I gotta get all this relationship, and oh you know, he this and he this and he this, I could have made zero progress in the same year and a half. I saw it all as my opportunity. This is what I recommend for you. See it all as your opportunity. Become the devoted student instead of the ordinary student. And there isn't anyone here that isn't capable of that. Uh, In my experience, again, I can only speak from my experience, so forgive me for that limit, but in my experience, you wanna know the number one obstacle to being able to do that is wanting things your way. That's the number one obstacle. Self-will. Because self-will and ego are the same thing. So when when you want anything your way, you won't see it as an opportunity. You'll see it as something that needs to be controlled, fixed, changed. If I had wanted a relationship to be my way, I would have, probably kicked Lauren out in the first three weeks. I didn't want it to be my way. I wanted to awaken. Those are two different goals. I will be honest with you. I am saddened. And that's not a completely true statement because I'm really content. But it's a statement that needs to be made. I am saddened. Whenever I notice one of my friends from the spiritual path choosing their my way. Every time, I mean, I allow it to happen. Those of you who know me, you've never once heard me tell you, you know, (laughs) tell you that you're making a mistake, but I notice it and I'm saddened. Not really. I mean, that's just, it's more of a statement than a Uh, a statement of how I see than how I feel. But I know that if you could just let go of that, your life would change dramatically and quickly. And I know that's the obstacle is wanting things your way. And what's really uh, sad is to observe people using the term my using the term guidance when really they're talking about my way and that happens all the time Uh, guidance and my way are not the same thing in fact guidance will lead you away from my way so then you're just deceiving yourself right and that's really sad And I'll keep right on letting you do it. And I'll keep right on being content. Don't expect me to come in and walk your spiritual path for you or tell you that you're doing it wrong or ever do anything, but love you and allow you. Okay. It is, it's yours. But when I'm teaching, you know, I get to share these things when I'm, when you're here in Levita with me and I'm walking around, I'm not going to do this to you. Right. Right you're you're free and I love you and I allow you and you're perfect and I would never want to change a thing about you. But when I'm teaching, I get to be more general. So complete freedom comes from the complete death of ego. Loosen attachment to ego mind and world appearances at every opportunity. And you hasten the realization of absolute, enduring, and perfect peace, joy, love. You see, that's what you're that's what you're putting off every time you choose my way. You're putting it off. And and, and, and it's an understandable mistake because um, the ego's lying to you. The ego is telling you that when you get my way, you'll be happy, right? That's what it's saying. But actually, my way is the obstacle to happiness. So the ego is a liar. Getting your way will not make you happy. It will only keep you from knowing what happiness really is. Yeah. And that is really all I have to say today, because we only have two minutes left, so I won't begin anything new. Is there anything that any of you want to say in in this final two minutes? Anybody there want to speak? Yeah, my way is the obstacle to happiness, Yolanda writes. Yeah. And 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 you don't have to believe me, you know, observe. Observe the next time I'm going to pick on Yolanda cuz Yolanda was brave enough to type. Observe the next time Yolanda that you and Glenn get in a fight. Observe how happy you are wanting my way in that moment. And you'll see that it's a great, big, fat lie. You already know that, right? (laughs) You want to say something, Yolanda? Go ahead. Yes. Actually, that's exactly what we've been working on. So that's why this hit me so, you know, dramatically today. Because we've actually been doing that very thing. You know, there's always something that you want to pick on with each other and all of that kind of thing. But we've been able to stop and, and go, oh, my God we don't have to do this. This is a thought, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And It's it's usually me. I want everything my way. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'm sure if Glenn was here, Glenn would say it's usually me because it's yeah, probably, true, <laughs> probably true both ways. But yeah. Yeah. It, all of us can do that. We can observe that wanting my way right now is actually not making me happy. It's the imaginary future of happiness, not the current moment of happiness, right? And I notice uh, Lynn has stuck his hand up. Lynn, what do you want to say quickly? Yep, real quick. Do you ever see when guidance and my way are the same? Uh, That's a funny question. So um, not exactly. Uh, When guidance and my way are the same is when I'm not actively wanting my way and guidance comes in and surprises me with it. Um, for example, I'll I'll tell a one-minute story, Sina, because I know you need to go. Um, when I adopted my daughter, she's from China. When I adopted my daughter, the night I adopted her, she was one, but I promised that little baby that when she was 10, I would take her back to China so she could see her homeland. But by the time she was 10, I had, you know, left my job at that time. I, there was no income coming in. I was living off of my savings. And a trip to China for two is like $10,000. Um, and so I said, ah, oh, you know, when she turned 10, I was like, ah, oh, I know I promised her that I would take her, uh, but there's just no way I can do that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let that go. You know, that's just something I have to let go. And I did. I let it go completely. Um, and I never said a word to anybody about this. Anybody. Nobody even knew about the promise or that I let it go. That very night, my phone rang and my dad, who had never given me a gift of any size in my entire lifetime, he doesn't give me birthday gifts, Christmas gifts, nothing. My dad called that night and said, hey, it just occurred to me that, you know, Jasmine's a little older now. It might be nice if she got to go back to China. Um, would, you know, Bev and I are willing to pay for it. Would you like to go? Amazing. So, yes, I got my way but I had nothing to do with it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You're not pushing. You didn't push it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So that answers your question, I hope. All right. Thank you, y'all. Bye.